Have you ever responded to a situation um, and just responded (laughs) right in the moment when you're feeling all of your feelings and then afterwards, maybe you regretted the action you took or maybe you know, it, maybe it's not quite regret. Maybe you're just still feeling the feeling that you had before. The action didn't really help in any way. I think that's pretty common to, um, you know, to feel something and want relief from that feeling. And so you take action right away. However, there is a lot of value in slowing things down, reflecting on what you might be feeling and what you might be needing. And then once you're really clear in those needs, taking action from that space of clarity, it can be really empowering. In the recording that I'm sharing right now, this is a conversation that I've had with my NVC support group. It's a reflection that we were having after I had been sexually harassed in a grocery store while on vacation with my family. Um, There's two previous recordings uh, before this one. One of them is related to just identifying needs and the other one is related to the jackal, which is basically jackal also represents needs, but it's usually things that... um, I actually really love jackals. (laughs) It's usually things that maybe are less politically correct or it's like really strong and passionate and it can come out as shoulds. Um, After we had kind of played around with those ideas, we went in this direction, which I'm sharing in this recording, and it's more related to, um, we explore, you know, what happens when you experience something like sexual harassment or something else that really knocks you off your sense of um, direction or you know just feeling really discombobulated so we start out this conversation um, exploring what happens when someone is sexually harassed okay let's listen does anyone want to speak to the effects of even mild forms of sexual harassment i don't know if there's a such thing as mild effects so I'm just going to leave it there for myself. Because that was one of my self-doubts was some people aren't even going to understand how this is sexual harassment. Like if I try to contact by email or by phone, the store manager, like they might not even see that this is a form of sexual harassment. You know, they might only think like, this big obvious one is a form of sexual harassment. And I wanted to say, no, this qualifies too. <laughs> Hesitant laugh. <laughs> Did you notice that when I said it? <laughs> Will I be believed is really the, one of the ones that pops up for me. Like sometimes it's so obvious, like um, if you're grabbed or, um, you know, something that is, I don't want to, like, if you're grabbed, if you're raped, if you're, if you're something so obvious, you know, even folks who've had those experiences aren't believed. The, I think when it, it, it's milder, I think it becomes even harder to be believed, um, harder to bridge the gap for people to understand that, you know, this was also a violation. This was also sexual. I think when we also have such big examples in the world of very influential and powerful people, 
getting away or being able to write off more obvious sexual violence, it becomes confusing, I think, for the general audience to be like, wait, or the general population to be like, to, to, to be able to like identify. It's just, just guy talk. It's just boys being boys. It's just, come on. Like, are you that sensitive? Like, that's usually the response that those types of things elicit is like, really? Come on. And it's like, how do you, def- how do you go up against that? Right. <laughs> when they're like, when the examples they have are these types of powerful people saying that's just, it's harmless. It's like, how do you as a woman then combat that and be like, but it's not harmless, right? That, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. Like for me, the feeling of violation, obviously questioning your own, like you, like questioning your own story. So I guess that disconnect between mind and body, one of the effects would be trust for sure. I had an experience when I was a teenager and I didn't tell, I didn't tell anybody, nobody. And I think that was trust too. Can I trust if I tell this person, can I trust? I didn't trust myself. I was the same thing. Did that really happen? Did that happen the way I think it happened? It definitely did. <laughs> so now I can't trust that person. I don't think I can trust that person. I definitely can't trust myself, you know? When you're not believed, If you're not like really clear in what you're feeling, like you guys helped me get really clear. So it actually didn't matter if I was believed or heard or understood. Like it mattered within my safety group. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think about, I don't know. Actually, this one's hard for me to, maybe I don't want to share this one right now. I'm going to edit this out. And it brings me back to my twenties. And um, I had two different incidences in my twenties both of which involved the police and I was in undergrad. And then the next one I was in my master's and the hardest part for me was actually when each time I had a male professor who didn't seem to get that being sexually assaulted would affect my ability to perform on an exam. And I was like, (laughs) like, and at the time I didn't like my friends were young. I was too embarrassed to tell my parents And, uh, like shame filled (laughs) to tell my parents and I couldn't handle their reactions. So I kept it to myself. Um, but like, it's silencing. It's silencing when like, it's not just like the perpetrator denying it. It's all the other people who are collaborating the okayness with this silence. Like we're not going to rock the boat. Um, you know, that happened to you, put it behind you. Um, focus on what's right in front of you. Like, uh, 
you know, it can, people react in different ways. You can either go like blame inwards or blame outwards and neither of them are healthy. <laughs> like neither of them are helpful. Um, and it kind of goes back to like, we really, we really struggle to just hear people where they're at and to hear the challenging things that people have to say. I just wanted to quickly add that. I think the reason why I say minor, why I was reactive to that situation was because I don't think there is a such thing as minor. Um, I think it can all snowball effect. And when you stop labeling it minor and when is it significant, that line becomes blurred. Who defines that line? So right there, right? Is that a societal line? Is that your parental line? Is that an authority line? Who's telling you that line? Right? Because sometimes those minors are just a flag for those significant harassment sort of situations, sexual, physical, verbal, right? So again, that almost felt a little bit victim shaming or victim blaming saying minor. I think that's what I'm recognizing out of this. Um, I feel like in some ways I've kind of had a unique position because I have been totally sheltered from the world. And my body kind of readjusted, like my, <laughs> I had such a small world. And so I just kind of like readjusted to having such a small world and now being out in the world, I'm like, oh my God, we, we violate each other all the time. Like we are so unaware <laughs> of like all the boundaries we are like, I feel super sensitive maybe I'm not, maybe this is just, no, for a long time, I didn't have my boundaries violated. And now I'm out in the world. And I'm like, oh my God, what are we doing? Like there are, so, I mean, to speak to what you said, Sonia, like there's no such thing as mild boundary violations. Like that was a, a boundary violation. I just want to pause the conversation that I'm having with my NBC practice group after going through something painful or something intense. Um, you know, if everyone else around you is feeling that intensity of pain, um, maybe they're triggered themselves, you know, as their own feelings pop up, there can be these strong messages of what you should do or how you should respond or what action you should take. And I think in particular, it's in those moments that having a process to follow, a process that you've practiced so that you can really get clear on, you know, that maybe that's what that person would like you to do, but what would serve you in this moment? What would best meet your needs? I think that is why this process is so valuable and why you would want to practice it and be aware of it. In this recording, I have referred to Tree of Life Tree of Life is um, a metaphor that Inbel Kashtan created to help us understand this process of how we take feelings and spend time in empathy, either self-empathy or making needs guesses for someone else. And once we have clarity about those needs, what needs are the strongest and most important to us in this particular moment, what we want to value, then what do we do 
um, with those needs? How do we take action? Sometimes taking action may not look like much to an outsider. It might be withdrawing, protecting yourself, getting some safety, giving yourself a break. All of those things are important and meet important needs. However, to an outsider, it might look like you're doing nothing. Um, it could also be expressing yourself. Maybe there's something else that you wish to say um, to an individual or to a larger group. Maybe you have questions to ask. Maybe you want to gather more information. Maybe you want to make a request. So that outward action happens after you've had uh, a little bit of time to get clarity about what your needs are. Let's jump back into the conversation I'm having with Liz, Shar, and Sonia, and I'm going to refer to um, their jackals and how I heard their jackals and all of the shoulds that their jackals had for me, um, and yet how at the same time leaning into that process of what am I needing and letting my needs guide the action that I take and how helpful that was for me in the end. Let's listen. But that reminds me of how trauma is not what happened to you. Yeah. It's what does he say? What happens after or like, okay, so this, this terrible thing happened. Then who did you go and talk to about yeah. it? And people with severe trauma responses would say nobody right? I didn't talk to anybody about it. People who had um, very healthy community around them could say, I spoke to this person, I spoke to this person. And it's almost like they're not as traumatized. They don't have as big a trauma response to the incident, right? And this was interesting because when your jackals were talking to like my feeling soup version of myself, um, I heard your jackals, all their shits. And that was so interesting to me to hear your shits. Um, because if I wasn't feeling that, I might've been saying the shits too. But because I was in that moment of like, I just want to feel safe. And that was like, absolutely. <laughs> like, what's my capacity here? Um, but the idea, like there are, there's a set of victim shoulds, like uh, you need to stand up for yourself. You need to go and complain so that this doesn't happen to someone else. And that was so interesting for me because it was actually Steve, like I had talked to him before I had actually talked to you. Um, he was one of the, it hadn't occurred to me that I could just say no to all of it and just look after myself. Like he was the one who said, or you can do nothing at all. And he wasn't saying that as dismiss the situation. He was like, you're, you're feeling so rough about this. This is your first time out in the world. <laughs> and you like, he, he knows I haven't had much capacity to respond to like, I, I keep needing to shrink and go in and so that was interesting to me to think like, wow, how often do we put shoulds on the people who have just experienced whatever pain they've experienced? Like, and now your responsibility is to make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else or to do your part. And uh, yeah, I guess I just had like, was, was a light, 
a lighter experience than some of the sexual harassment I experienced in my twenties. So it was a moment of, Oh, there's so many shoulds that are put on you when you're vulnerable. Um, some of the shoulds that we mentioned earlier, you know, some of the shoulds still exist, like just move on. Don't make a fuss. Like those are still there too. I know I'm guilty of that, of feeling like there has to be repercussions. Like there has to, like, like I want to seek justice. And I know for me, it comes from a place of feeling a lot of the time, a sense of powerlessness. So in situations like these, I think that need just becomes amplified because I feel like it's not fair. (laughs) And that just, it's like, I want, again, I go back into like, I want to do something. I don't know what to do. I'm not in a position to do anything. And sometimes I know that that can become a powerful should for me is okay. So I can't do something. So are you going to do like, it's like, I, I, I want to, I have this need for, for action and it really resonated actually. It really, it really um, kind of caused me to, to take a step back when you said that one of your options was, or you could do nothing. And I wonder sometimes if maybe I don't give myself or others more of that as a, as an option and how that can actually be in and of itself empowering, depending on the situation, because you're making that decision and that is an act in and of itself, right? Depending on what, if you're doing what it is that you have the capacity for, you're honoring your own needs in that moment. If the need is to do nothing in terms of outward action, right? And maybe it is a lot of just internal work and in terms of specific act, how that is still an act in and of itself and a very, an act that ought to be recognized and celebrated as being a valid choice and an available choice. That is, um, that's the tree, right? Like that's the part where you swirl it inside you. And then as you're swirling it, like empathy for yourself or empathy for the others. I wasn't ready to do that. It was like, you guys were helping me with empathy for myself. What am I feeling? What am I feeling? Okay. What am I needing? And then deciding, do I want to go up into the branches? Do I want to say anything? And like having, having, what do I want to say? I think it takes just as much guts and strength to not do anything like to not go up into the branches as it does to go up into the branches. Like both are totally legit. You can do a lot of the outward branches, but then if you're not doing the internal work because you're doing all the outward branches, which is sometimes what I get caught up in, then do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, so you're doing all that stuff, but what about, are, are you feeling any of the relief or any of the, you know, are you doing any of the internal work? Right. Exactly, Liz. Exactly. Like if I, if I went up into the branches before I did the stuff in me, I actually don't think I'd be connecting because I wasn't connected to myself. I wasn't connected to what I really wanted to know. 
And that was the other interesting thing about the conversation that came out with all of us, like the four of us over texting was what did I, if I were to make an outward branch move, what, what were, what were my needs that I was looking to meet in that outward branch move? Because that helped me see the path that I wanted to take in responding, but I couldn't have gotten there without sorting through all of the stuff. What am I like, what are all these feelings? Like Sonia was pulling them down and grounding them. What are all these feelings? What needs are attached to them? And then recognizing that, then it didn't feel, it didn't feel charged going out into the branches. There wasn't the charge to it. It was just, it was more of a release. It was more of like an exhale. Um, Again, it felt (laughs) nonviolent. It felt loving and it felt safe. It was a very conscious choice, right, that you made. It wasn't acting out of impulse or feelings. And I think what you, Aaron and you, Liz, what you both said, yeah, it's very valid to just choose not to do, quote, unquote, anything. Because you are doing something. You're doing the internal work. So it's much more important than any of the other stuff. But I think, as as I said, like, society says, or we were taught as children to be quiet or just let it go, or it doesn't matter. It's almost like now, now with the Me Too movement, it's almost like we are told, no, you have to say something. Like you're supposed to say something. Those are the expectations. And for sure, I've caught myself saying like, no, you can't let that slide. We've got to say something. So again, it's balancing what am I, what am I hearing from society? What are the pressures that I'm getting and trying to quiet that noise and, and choose what's right and what feels best for yourself. Going through the process of self-empathy. What am I feeling? What am I needing? And like having a lot of softness and care for whatever it is that I'm feeling, including dumbness, including, you know, whatever feelings show up having a lot of softness and care for that is that that's the only way I can figure out what my boundaries are going to be. If I'm not going in to do that, I'm not aware of my own boundaries. I'm not aware of what I need to stay safe. I'm not aware of what, how to meet my needs. And so like, what do I have capacity for? And that was like one of the biggest parts of the puzzle for me was trying to figure out what do I have capacity for? Because a different version of me at a different time and place might have more capacity. I might have said in the store, did I just hear that right? You know, like I might've said that in a different time and place, uh, but I didn't like, I, I'm, I'm at a different spot right now. And I have, so, like, I have a different, my needs for safety are really high. My needs for protection are really, really high, easily triggered. Um, the interesting thing is by spending lots of time, like the three of you helped me spend lots of time in self-empathy, receiving empathy. Um, I was so at peace with the decision I made. And I'm so glad that I was because I I ended up doing a Google review. 
I don't know. I thought I thought I want something public that you know other people can see. Um, and I wanted that for a couple of reasons. I didn't want to call anybody out necessarily. I was so glad that I got really clear on what I wanted to do and why and how that would meet my needs and what I wanted to, what values I wanted to hold up because I wrote that Google review and I haven't had any response from the store owner. And I'm thinking like, if I had expected a response, I would have been double hurt. You know what I mean? But my need was actually to just express And I knew that I was expressing and that somebody else somewhere might read it sort of like what you were saying, Liz, you know, my, my middle daughter overhearing this, and I don't know the impact of that. So someone might read this and it might have some impact that I can't see and, you know, or not, or maybe it doesn't happen at all. Maybe there's no impact ever, but just writing that Google review and, and nothing else attached to it, that met my need. I was satisfied to be done there. And then I could move on. Now, Steve kept asking me, have they responded yet? Have they responded yet? Having this group to process helped me get clarity on what my needs were so that I could figure out what I wanted my action to be, what strategy I wanted to use. And then there was nothing attached to that. Like there was no more further hurt that was going to come for me with that strategy. And that to me is like the ideal. So thank you. (laughs) One of the things that makes this process so important is um, it really reinforces that deep sense of trust that you would have in yourself. And in situations when it feels like nobody believes you, if you have been practicing, um, self-acceptance and practicing trusting your feelings and feeling settled in your needs it can be so much easier when you bump up against a moment where um, people are maybe not uh, sure what to do with what you're expressing you know if you've had a lot of experiences of trusting yourself it matters less what other people are thinking Um, it can You can be your own guide in figuring out what to do. So that sums it up. Thank you so much for listening and learning along with me. If you'd like to learn more about NVC, I offer workshops for people who are curious to try out NVC. And if you would like to learn more about those workshops, please head over to my website and sign up for my newsletter. I would love to see see some new faces joining our learning community. Okay, take care. Bye.